0: Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked on Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens might be a very bad hockey team. We're going to discuss a 4-0 loss to the Seattle Kraken. We're going to talk about promoting Uri Slafkovsky finally to the Canadians' top line and whether or not Montreal should be looking at retaining salary, going into trades at the deadline, and beyond. All that and more inside today's show.
1: Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 761 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast. You can find us wherever you get your daily shows in your podcatchers and beyond. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for subscribing. Please make sure you ring the bell to get notified every single time we post a new episode. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. If you cannot tell by listening or by seeing I am a little under the weather, but I refuse to go on IR because I am stupid and don't like to take care of myself when I need to. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, The Active Stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it's Monday night. Uh, We once again started recording this before the Canadiens game was over, which kind of gives us some insight into how the game went tonight at the Bell Center.
1: Um, I got caught napping there when you came out of the intro. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, Scott is feeling a little bit under the weather, but he insisted on, this is like when, when, you know, hockey players get a punctured lung in the playoffs. Like this is exactly what Scott I doing am the right exact now.
0: same as Patrice Bergeron winning a Stanley Cup, everyone. Laura said <laughs> it, and now it is true. I am tougher than other people. I am actually <laughs> a giant baby when I am sick. So, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this as a compliment right now.
1: <laughs> So here's the thing about that Canadians game. That first period was pretty abysmal. However, the Canadians recovered, particularly in the underlying metrics in the next two periods. They just unfortunately were not able to score. Um, and also they, they, the shot attempts were like they improved as the game went on. And there were a lot more shot attempts than actual shots, which tells me a couple of things. Like one, Dave Haxtell team blocking shots. Two, the Canadians need a little bit more creativity. And three, why aren't the Canadians blocking shots of their own? You know, if this defense isn't going to be good and transitional, then they should do some shot blocking and, and lying on the on their stomachs and and David Savarding. Um, so that was a couple of things. Josh Anderson obviously did not have a great game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit also about um, uh, Jake Allen obviously not being there. Uh, and uh, the goaltending on this team is suffering a little bit. It's not world-beating goaltending by any means, but I think both goalies have regressed. Like Samuel will bless him. Like even tonight he had couple of highlight real saves right like he's doing his best but the canadians as a whole they cannot allow themselves to get into a three nothing hole so early in the game and it was it was bad like it was like i was in the middle of texting scott a complaint about the second goal which again admittedly i was a little bit behind and then it was like they scored again you know so i i think the canadians they they really need to not do this this is not the first time we've had this conversation this is absolutely not the first time that um they have allowed so many goals so early in the game and then not been able to recover and this is like the not not the first time that like even though they played better in the second two periods they might have even won the game if they hadn't allowed themselves to go down early so this is something that they're gonna have to deal with they're gonna have to work on you know for so many years we kept talking about the second period and how it was so bad the canadian second period was abysmal abysmal and then you know last year there was a lot of all the periods were bad and now it's like well you put yourself in a hole like why are you giving yourself additional effort you're, you're gonna have to exert and i'm i realize that i'm ranting really really fast right now i'm trying to prevent scott from having to talk <laughs> um so i am in this case i am truly uh, admittedly silencing my co host as i often get accused of doing because i said one too many sentences too long um but i think you know i would have been okay with the canadian's effort if the first period wasn't so putrid
0: And that's the thing is like Samuel Montembeau tonight. I know he let in three goals, but he's the only reason this was probably not a seven or eight goal game. That first period was terrible and it set the tone for the rest of the game because the Canadians are playing from behind. And yes, they picked up the shot attempts in the next two periods. They broke even in that at five on five. They had far less shots on net though is the thing. You can attempt as many things as you want. You have to eventually get them to the net. And that's the issue is, A lot of them came from range and not in uh, areas you want them to get to. They won the high danger battle at the end of the night, which is good. We want them to get to these opportunities. They won the expected goals battle at five on five, but the finish and the little things aren't there for this team. And I think part of it is it's a discipline thing. They put themselves in the box, didn't give themselves good opportunities there. And of course the power play still sucks abysmally. So, and Power play didn't make or break the game tonight, but it would sure be nice to like maybe have a chance. They got a power play and got one opportunity out of it. And it's just not the effort isn't where it needs to be. Like we're going to talk about your ice in the next segment, but like outside of Jake Evans, no one really seemed to give a crap tonight. And I look at, you know, the third line, we talked about getting Mike Hoff or the fourth line and getting Mike Hoffman back into the lineup Uh at the bottom of the possession numbers is Michael Pizzetta, Jonathan Drouin and Mike Hoffman. And at this point I get that why they're keeping Michael Pizzetta around. It it doesn't work. It's that whatever trio they get there doesn't work. And yeah, they're missing Sean Monahan to kind of, you know, balance out the forward lines here. But as we talk about in the next segment, you got to let guys start finding their legs in the water here, or you just figure out maybe this isn't for them. And, the possession numbers don't look as bad as I was anticipating. to Dodonov's up there. There's a lot of positives. But overall, this is just a game that the Canadians did not play well in. Martin Jones didn't really have all that busy of a night. Uh, in all situations, he faced 21 total shots. The Canadians gave up that many, I'm pretty sure, in the first period. Like, that's unacceptable. If we include all situations... Uh, the Kraken had five expected goals tonight, and the Canadians had 2.69. Canadians won the game, played better at five on five, got absolutely smoked everywhere else, and we knew special teams were an issue. It's another game you got to crumple up, you got to throw in the trash, because now they've got an emotional one coming up on, what is it, Thursday night, when the uh, National Predators come to town, okay. it is P.K. Subban night at the Bell Center.
1: Exactly. And so this is the thing is like, I think one of the, and those games are the ones where like you find that it's it, the game ended at four, four nothing. Uh, the Kraken won at for nothing. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where like, they have to, they have to get it up for a game like that because night in and night out, we see at the bell center, whenever there's something going on before the game, like the emotional um, like repercussions of that usually means a slow start for the Habs. It's not usually a good a good sign. So I think it's really, really important that the Canadians start start showing up to games in the first minute, not in the second period.
0: Um, there is also, um, my French is very terrible and I am sick. So I'm going to do my best to read this tweet from Marc-Andre Pelot from TVA. Gallagher port un bot protectrice au pied droit. So I want to say that's right foot. Yes. So he's got a protective boot on his right foot. Yes. Um, Not great. Not great at all. But um, (laughs) once we get a more official update on that, we will obviously have more to talk about on that. But we do have something to talk about in our next segment, and that is Yuri Slavkovsky, one of the bright spots after a real rough stretch. And we're going to talk a little bit about maybe promoting him up here and why it's time to pull the trigger on that coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by the folks at BetOnline. They are your number one source for all your sports betting info, news, stats, analysis, everything you need. You need new lines, you need new props, parlays, everything. BetOnline has you covered. Obviously, the NFL playoffs kick off this weekend. Hockey's in full swing, basketball, NCAA, and NBA is in full swing. Everything you're looking for, even MMA, boxing, and golf. And we know you like sports podcasts because you are listening to Laura and myself here at Lockdown Canadians. They have podcasts for you as well. So head to their website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, bet online it's where the game starts. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. And before we dive into our next segment, please make sure you subscribe to Locked On NHL Prospects, where if you want more prospect info about the upcoming draft, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, Heddy Kalakesh does a great job. You're going to want to make sure that you are up to date on everything that they are covering for this. That game was bad. We are in agreement that that game against the Seattle Kraken was not good. Whatever the opposite of good is, besides bad, is what that game was. (laughs) When that first period was spiraling down the toilet of reverse retro night in Montreal again, there is one person I noticed standing out, seemingly trying riskier plays and making things happen, and that's Yuri Slavkovsky. He got more ice time tonight at 5-on-5, five five, which is good. They increased that as they should have. My argument now is this, is that now is the time to pull the trigger and put Slavkovsky on that top line. You, you, We know Kirby Doc, Nick Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield works, but we know the way the lineup is set right now. Jonathan Joanne at center in any line is not working. If you bump Kirby Doc into that second-line role and you find – some combination to work there. Maybe you put Doc and Slavkovsky together. I don't know. When you move Hoffman up, you got to try something because we are now getting, we're at the point of the Canadian season. Their odds for Bedard, I think are in the top five now. I think they have an eight and a half percent chance with their own pick, not Florida's. Now is the time to start seeing, okay, it's not make or break, but do you have the legs for this? Can we put you here and see, Positive aspects coming, and what do you have to lose at this point? Is is him playing mid tier minutes opposite Josh Anderson better than hey? Can our first overall pick maybe bring some of that creativity and size to that top line and create opportunities? I'd argue that the time is now to give that a shot, and also let Kirby Doc go through the center rules again. Because here's the thing: is if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Okay, fine. They're drafting another center in the top five this year, anyways. It's a lot. It's time for a lot of sinking or swimming and kind of pulling the training wheels off of this. I'm not saying throw Slavkovsky in heavy defensive minutes and making sure he's on every penalty kill and playing. Oh, wait, why not? <laughs> because the penalty kill is bad enough, and I don't want to do that to the poor kid right now. Josh Anderson's killing penalties, like, anyways. Let's see what we can do here. The worst thing that can happen is, ah, oh, it doesn't work right now. Okay, cool. If you don't try it, you can't know. You got to take off the kid training wheels at some point and give them an opportunity.
1: Right. So here's where I stand on this, is that the Canadians as a whole aren't a good team. So, like, whatever production Slavkowski provides, they're going to make up for it in goals allowed. So <laughs> I think they're going to be fine in terms of the tank. Uh, here's my other thing with with Slavkovsky is that if they put him on a line with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, it's not the same scenario as they do when they have Doc up there or, or when they have Josh Anderson up there because the focus is always on trying to contain Nick Suzuki's genius and Cole Caulfield's speed, right? So you put in somebody like Slavkovsky there, and all of a sudden you can't. You're defending against three players. You're defending like so. Kirby Doc is creating space for the other two, but the other two are very heavily defended against. So I think you kind of, you kind of force the opponent to work a little harder and you end up inevitably, if you free up Nick Suzuki just a little bit more and you free up Cole Caulfield just a little bit more, just imagine just how much more productive they can be together. And I think that's one. And two, Slavkovsky himself, right? So Uh, we've asked this question a lot it's like if you want to develop this player for the long term why are you holding him back like it's the the holding him back feels artificial it feels like player needs to pay his dues as opposed to we're teaching this player what to do right this is where and again I don't know about the off ice what the development with the skills coach and everything like that I don't know how that's going I'm not there I'm assuming the Canadians are focusing a lot on that, but not playing him in heavier minutes right now, whether or not you have anything to lose, like what is the point of putting him on a line that he doesn't belong on with line mates that he doesn't belong on with assignments that aren't going to be his in the long term? Like he's never, like, let's say he, he works out to half as good as the projection is, right? He's still never going to be playing in the bottom six. Like it's not going to happen. So why do they do this? Like so for me, like I understand like the old school mentality where like a young player, a rookie, particularly one as confident and cocky and you know, dynamic and like you know, big personality as that, like they would hold like they would make sure they paid their dues, they earned their spot. But like he for me like he's not making any more mistakes than any other rookies. He's not making any more mistakes than any other player on the Montreal Canadiens. You know like not everybody can be as, as c- cerebral and smart like Nick Suzuki or Kirby Dach like he's not egregiously making all these mistakes and yet he gets benched for them. like joe edmondson is making more mistakes than slavkowski so for me like all of these arguments like the old school arguments were like you know he needs to be benched when he makes a mistake you staple him to the bench in the sec in the third period or like when you're defending a lead or whatever um all of those arguments i mean that's fine and that's all well and good but i thought that, that martin saint-louis is a new type of coach i thought that this the canadians were a new type of of, of hockey team I thought they were forward thinking I thought they were bold and so for me it's just like whatever happens happens right like they're just it's just going to take him longer to develop right and and for me it's like why not like give give him a chance to see how you know how much he has to work like if you're not putting him on the top lines now the top like and yeah sometimes they do put him on the second line sometimes, but like I'm sick of seeing him in the bottom six. I'm sick of not seeing him on the power play or like you see him there for like two seconds and then they pull him off. I'm sick of all of that. Like give him those situations, put him in those situations where they are high pressure, high risk, high reward situations because at some point, in the near future not too long from now that's going to be his assignment so let him make the mistakes now and just just throw him out there i just i don't understand why they also like they don't do this with all the players like martin st-louis gives all the people all the people chances but for whatever reason we're keeping yuri Slavkovsky preciously on the bench like it just it bothers me because we could be we, like he could be learning so much more what if he's absolutely terrible at so many things and he needs to work on them in the next 2 years Like, we don't know that. We can't see it. Like, we're not seeing it against NHLers. He's played against men, and we talk about those tournaments, those big game moments and all of that. But let's be honest, in the NHL, the caliber of competition that he's going to be playing against is much better than anyone he's played against so far. So, like, again, I'm ranting now. I'm loud. Um, I didn't allow Scott to get a word in edgewise. So um, I think we can, like, unless Scott has any other thoughts, I think we can go to the next uh, My
0: My (laughs) thought is, is that I don't... I think they're trying to, you know, protect him from getting just absolutely lambasted out there, which is fair. You want to bring them along on a steady pace, but you have to eventually give them the responsibility to do so. And like we said, we're not asking him to be the lead penalty killer. We're not asking him for to get first line uh, power play minutes all the time. Just give him more of these opportunities. He's played a lot more tonight. His second most ice time on the year. Good. They, they saw the opportunity and they took it. Do that more often. You're going to lose a lot more games here. And I I do trust that they have a plan in place here because this is not the old Canadians. This is the new one. But I want to see kind of what those next steps are. I'm not asking for it all of a sudden to your Slavkowski to turn into a 20 goal guy. Give me that reason to believe that you are going to do what is best for this player here. And yeah, take it slow. That's fine. Because I assume after the deadline, he's going to be one of the big guys playing there. And speaking of the trade deadline, we've been asked a lot about whether or not the Canadians should be retaining salary on trades or deals or anything else. We're going to dive into cap friendly and the Canadians cap situation and why that might not be a great idea all coming up next. But first, our next partner is a product that we use all the time here at Lockdown Canadians. And that's Athletic Greens. And if you don't know what Athletic Greens is, with one delicious scoop of it, you're going to get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It is the best way you can start your morning. It's lifestyle-friendly, so if you are vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, or whatever, Athletic Greens is not going to interfere with that. And it's here to help boost your gut health and give you that energy you need throughout the day. It's got over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. It's got a climate-neutral certification, so it's good for the environment. And I got to tell you, it's the best way to start your day if you are like me and you don't always have your regular breakfast or anything else. So we are telling you here at Lockdown Canadians, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition with Athletic Greens. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-sporting vitamin D, great for those winter months when there's not as much sun, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we are back here at On Canadians, and we get asked a lot uh, Should the Canadians retain salary? We've discussed it before in some of these trades. Should the Montreal Canadians be retaining salary to move out some of these contracts? And as of this year, right now, that answer is no. The Canadians are heavy into LTIR, they have less than a million dollars in cap space right now. They need to get people off this roster. Because carry price is the big reason why they're able to use LTIR effectively. And retaining salary kind of hampers them because is luckily on some of these guys like Jonathan Druan and Evgeny Dadonov up after the season, Sean Monahan up after this season. But the bigger names that they're looking at trading: a Joel Armia, a Josh Anderson, a Joel Edmondson, or David Savard. If you're retaining for several years after the fact, that's still going to hamper your team there because this off season has one big name on their restricted free agent list and that's Cole Caulfield and Cole Caulfield, make no mistake about it, is going to get paid and you want to have as much cap flexibility to get him signed, get some of your other lower restricted free agents signed, and then maybe try to add to this team. And that's not counting bonuses or anything else in there right now. Retaining on things, unless you were 100% sure you're going to be moving these things out, what if they want to buy someone out, etc. you got to make sure that you're not putting your future cap in issues here when you need to re-sign parts of this young core again or two new contracts after their current ones are over with.
1: So this is a question, like, so we wanted to talk about this topic because inevitably in any mailbag that we get, whatever guess we get, it's always something like, should the Canadians retain salary in order to trade this or uh, that player? Retaining salary to me is like, unless you're literally getting, like, it's literally the difference between, like, if you like retain half a million for this guy, I'll give you like a pick in the first round, as opposed to a pick in the second round. Like, unless you're literally getting more asset back for it but if you're trying to just move people off your roster it's not necessary to retain salary the reason that I say this is because if you want to be a team then this is what we keep saying as Habs fans we keep talking about we don't want this to be a one and done kind of team we want it to be perennial contender we don't want to sniff the conference final or the Stanley Cup final every six years and then not see like and then have like four years without making the playoffs after that. We want to see our team always be good and always give us hope, right? Like we want to see our team look like Colorado. We want to see our team look like Tampa Bay. We want to see our team look like the Blackhawks or the Los Angeles Kings um, a pox on both their houses from a few years ago. We want to see perennial contenders. So if we want to do that, we cannot do the Toronto Maple Leafs thing where you're right up against the cap and then you sacrifice a bunch of good defensemen in order to be able to keep your offensive superstars. I want superstars on this team. Those superstars are going to come with price tags. We're talking about, you know, Cole Caulfield, how he's going to get paid. And then, you know, and this is a spoiler alert for the uh, episode that we have with Sebastian High that's coming up. We talk about how Nick Suzuki, like the Canadians can get a better center than Nick Suzuki and then have that 1A, 1B punch. That center, if they're going to be playing the 1A minutes, they're going to be paid at least as much as and possibly more depending on the assignments than Nick Suzuki does, right? And you're talking about you want a perennial contender. You need superstars on a on a contender. You need your bottom six has to be a top bottom six, and your top six is going to get paid. Like that's the thing. Like right now, the Canadians got really lucky with Kirby Doc's contract. Right? If they want to like be a good team for five or six years, by the time his his next negotiation comes up, like he is right now earning a much more expensive contract. So even if you retain half a million, even if you retain 1 million, even if you – and, and like, how are you going to unload Brendan Gallagher without retaining at least two, two and a half? That's not going to happen. So, for me, cap space, cap flexibility is so, so important because otherwise you're going to end up in a situation like the Toronto Maple Leafs where, again, they keep – why do they keep failing? It's often defense and goaltending, defense and goaltending – you can't do that. And again, like we haven't really talked about this, about this that much. But Angela Price tweeted that they're moving back to Kelowna this summer. Not not tweeted. She put it in on her Instagram story, right? Yeah, in her stories, so, there. Yeah, yeah. So like it's it's in her stories, right? So there's not been anything official. But like, what if that means that Carrie Price is officially retiring, right? That LTIR space goes away, right? It doesn't it doesn't help them anymore, right? So you really just you need to make sure that you. Put yourself in as much of a position as you can. Like, if it's the difference between getting a star player in return and a scrub, yeah, retain 500,000, retain a million, but you're not getting a star. Like, in the situation that you're trying to move somebody that makes too much money off of your cap, you're not getting a star in return. You're, the best you're hoping for is picks and potentially prospects. You know, just like we saw last year, like, I think the Canadians did a great job training last year, but at the same time, they didn't get any superstars in return. That's not what happened so like you got to be smart with the retaining salary and again i I sound like i'm angry about it but i'm not i'm just i'm very passionate about not retaining salary um it's, it's one of my passions in life just like graphic design but i i think you know i think i love the question because i do think that it's worth exploring as an idea like in order to trade this guy should the canadians retain salary But I always firmly believe the answer is no. Do not retain salary for anybody who's not coming off the books the immediate offseason after the
0: trade. And I look at this. The only people that, unless you're getting like an incredible deal for like a Josh Anderson, I don't see the value in retaining salary right now because they need to clear space. And like we said, if Carey Price retires, that LTIR is gone. Yeah, his cap hits off the books, but the LTIR is no longer there. And unless you're going to stick Brendan Gallagher there, which I don't think they will, it's complicated is that they have a juggling act to clean up what's left of the Bergevin regime. And then they got to get guys under contract going forward because eventually you want to contend and to contend, you got to pay other pieces to be on your team here. Yeah. It'd be great if we had a team entirely of all drafted pieces. I also live in a reality where I know that is not always going to be possible so you want to save that. I don't want to do what Burke Bergevin did for a while, where he sits on like $6 million in cap space and does nothing with it. But you have to allow yourself some flexibility that that opportunity comes up. You can go, okay, this is mine now and open up that space there. So it's the deal has to be too good to pass up for the Canadians to retain salary. And right now, uh, we don't know what's been offered. We don't know what's out there. We don't quite know yet, but the trade deadline is barreling forward towards us. It's about a month and a half away at this point, and obviously, as things come up and things go, we will keep you in the loop on everything there. And as always, thank you for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at lo underscore Canadians, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube at Locked On Canadians. Uh, you can follow Laura at the Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. Coming up on our Wednesday and Thursday episodes. We have a two-part series with Sebastian High. We're talking Nick Suzuki. We're talking the Canadians' defensive depth. We're talking the World Junior standouts. We're talking draft prospects. Everything Canadians fans need to know about this upcoming offseason and the draft will be in those two episodes. So please, please, please make sure you are locked in and subscribed to us on YouTube. Ring the bell so you get notified right when those suckers go live at midnight so you can watch right there. And as always, folks, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you all next time.